This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And, of course, it is the ongoing managerial search it has been ongoing since June the 1st when Carlo Ancelotti abruptly left for Real Madrid. It has taken on many twists and turns, but as we sit here and record this on Friday lunchtime, it would appear that Rafael Benitez is in the driving seat, although no appointment has been made. So who knows what twists and turns are left. But of course, Benitez is the talking point and he has been all week. Um, <clears throat> so we're just going to get straight into it. Um, <clears throat> Preno... Just give me your thoughts um, on the on the possibility of Benitez taking charge at Everton. Um, gravely concerned. Um, I've I've written positively about Rafael Benitez many many times in the past. Uh, in 2013, I advocated him becoming the Everton manager uh, ahead of Roberto Martinez, and in 2016, I think I, uh, I repeated it again uh, when uh, before he went to Newcastle and proved a very very popular appointment there. Um, I can totally understand why Farhad Mashiri has been seduced by his, uh, his powers as a coach because he is an excellent coach. Everybody who's ever worked with him uh, has reflected that fact. Uh, all the people that we speak to at Liverpool who worked with him, some of their great players, um, whilst maybe not appreciating him, his man management techniques because he's not a person that can you will warm to uh, as a player. But in terms of what he achieved and uh, what he you know, did for them, they speak in glowing terms of him. But I say gravely concerned because that has to be balanced with the uh, the reaction of the Everton fan base, which I know Twitter isn't always a very accurate echo chamber of society at large. But just like walking around, you know, the, the, the town, you know, so walking around the city, talking to people about it, I found very, very few people that uh, are willing to embrace it as um, as a positive appointment for the football club. Some have, but but not a huge number, to be perfectly honest. And I think that has to be borne in mind by Farhad Mashiri. Whether he is bearing that in mind, I don't know. Whether he's bearing it in mind and prepared to ignore it and prepared to ride out the wrath of the supporters, I'm not so sure. Because obviously Farhad is a little bit distant. He lives in Monaco. His visits to this country are limited by the number of days he can actually spend in this country. I'm pretty sure he is aware of the supporter reaction. Whether that will influence his eventual decision, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, we're not expecting anything immediately. There's certainly won't be a decision today. We don't think there'll be one over the course of the weekend. Uh, as you've written today, Phil, I think early next week is when Farhad has uh, indicated that the uh, the managerial search will come to a close. Who that will be? Well, you know, Rafael Benitez clearly is in the driving seat still. Whether that will change over the course of a weekend, we don't know. But to answer your initial question, there have to be concerns. There really do have to be serious concerns about... Um, a manager, you know, so closely linked to Liverpool Football Club being appointed. Uh, Gav, same question. How do, how do you feel about the potential of, of, of Rafa becoming uh, the Blues' uh, new boss? Um, with Plano on the 2013-2016 question, um, now I also get the, you know, the Liverpool connections, but I think if this thing is the right man for the boss, I think we should forget about that. I mean, it's 11 years ago now, isn't it? It's a long time ago and you know, that small club nonsense, that's way in the past. Um, so I've not got a problem uh, from the Liverpool correction, to be honest with you. But I do appreciate that. If you're going to point them, you've got to take into account the supporters, haven't you, surely? Uh, they're feeling. Um, the concern I've got with Benitez is similar to Ancelotti, but 
not not as maybe as pronounced in that. He is 61, isn't he, Rafa? He was winning major trophies 15, 16 years ago. Um, he's not coming to the club at his peak, peak years as, as a manager. Um, he's not managing the, the Premier League for about five, four, five years, three or four years, isn't it, Newcastle? Um, and the game moves on. Whether Rafa can adapt to the changing game is, 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 is up for debate, isn't it? There was no doubting his tactical and, and coaching skills. He's a different beast to Ancelotti. I feel that, I mean, Carlo's just a manager, isn't he? Um, and a certain type of manager for a certain type of player. Benitez is a coach, a tactician, uh, and therefore I think far more suited to Everton than Ancelotti, all things being uh, equal. But I would, do, I would question whether in the modern changing game, whether he's at the peak of his game. Mm. Uh, having said that, we have to take account of who else is available. At the moment, that's that's the other question. Um, yeah. And so, if you ask me, I wouldn't have a problem with Benitez. But personally, I understand why people don't want him. I, I fully get that. I think that's something that the, the you know the board or whoever's making the decision has to take into into account. Sam, same to you, same to you, pal. What, what's your feelings about the the prospect potentially of, of Rafa becoming the new Everton manager? Speaking of this, uh, yes, the, with me mates, and it's it's a conflicting one because uh, I'm not really that bothered about him being the Liverpool manager anymore. If it was the right fit for Everton, I, I don't really care about Liverpool. I'm not bothered about him in that in that way. But you know, reading what uh, you know yourself and uh, Dave and Adam and Chris Beasley have wrote over the last week, uh, you know, you look at his record over the last. 10 years and you know okay we're not uh into milan we're not real madrid maybe not even napoli you know with the the they pretty regularly get into the champions league but his records there have been terrible you know the newcastle fans loved them but still you know wasn't great steve bruce got more premier league points than him after he left and i know it's different and i do feel sorry for newcastle fans because i think they're very much going through what we went through with Allardyce, but on a much larger scale and a much longer time frame. And obviously, they don't like his style of football and, and the way he's not planning maybe for the future in what in the same way Benitez was. And, and then on top of that, you know, you've got the concerns about how would he work with Marcel Brands. There's been a lot of instances, it seems, down the years where he's had fallouts within the club with either board members or director of football type figures. So. For me, at this stage, I, I just don't like the parallels with Ancelotti. You know, they've managed a lot of similar clubs and, and there's not even 12 months between them in age. And I just really want someone to come in and, and give us a little bit of stability. And, you know, Benitez could come in and manage us for five or six years. But I, I just at this stage, I can't see it. But, you know, you say all that and there is literally not one candidate out there that I really feel passionate about. I know a lot of supporters like uh, Gaultier, but I don't know how much English he can speak, and I feel like if he had limited English, I don't know if I'd want that. Despite, you know, your Pochettinos and your Bielsa's doing well, certainly over the last couple of years. Uh, so, just just completely split on it, and just completely, I don't know, I just, I just feel not bothered about it. If, if he gets the job, it's, it just feels like just another crazy day at the Everton Circus for everything we've had to put up with over the last kind of five years and 
But if he gets it with Evertonians, aren't we? So, you know, I'll back him and, and I'll give him time. But I do feel like if Goodison is allowed to full crowd next season and we lose three or four matches on the spin, feel like it, it could be a, a tasty atmosphere. OK, let's go through some of the many many talking points and the many questions individually then. And let's just, let's just um, from, from the off, let's just talk about his links with Liverpool. Um, personally, is that, is that a, a barrier for you? And do you sense it's a barrier for a lot of supporters? Because obviously it is a major part of the discussion point for me. As I think Gav has said, his past at Liverpool is irrelevant in this discussion. It's whether or not he's a good coach or not. Um, how do you see... How do you see that element being part of, of the decision? I don't think it's as important as maybe some people are making out. Um, I've heard people get in touch with me saying that, you know, Everton should have targeted Steven Gerrard. And you can't have a man more closely, you know, so enmeshed in everything Liverpool Football Club uh, than him. And yet people, some people were prepared to accept him, uh, but not Rafa Benitez. So I think that suggests that maybe, you know, so it's Rafa's, uh, achievements, uh, for want of a better word, over the last you know six or seven years, compared to what he'd done in the early part of his career, which is the biggest concern. I think also this this small club jibe is something that resonates with quite a few people, and yeah. you know, he's explained that so many times. You know, he's he's actually said that you know his his English is very very good, Rafa, but he said it let him down in that instance because he was talking about Everton's demeanour in a particular derby where they behaved like a small team. Uh, you know, where they got too many men behind the ball. He went out to try and, you know, to basically suffocate Liverpool and get a draw. Uh, that's what he was indicating. And he was obviously frustrated at Everton's approach in that game. And I've seen that many times before by Liverpool managers. Roy Evans did it famously in the 90s, where he uh, took major exception to uh, the dogs of war and uh, never talked to me about school of science again. And uh, Joe Royal punched that spectacularly. It was wonderful put down. Sounds like a few dummies have come out the pram tonight. So it's been going on for like for time immemorial. Liverpool managers having a pop at Everton Football Club. Bill Shankly actually, you know, sort of trademarked it. You know, so he was always having little digs at Everton. And as a result, you know, he was disliked intensely, you know, so sort of by Evertonians. Respected, but disliked intensely. And so I think likewise with Rafael Benitez, that kind of uh, jive just resonates in a lot of people's minds. But to me, I think that could be overcome. It's overcome with many, many players. Um, you know, you think of the number of players that, you know, sort of switched codes. Peter Beardsley, you know, one of the more recent ones, was a magnificent footballer for Everton Football Club and was loved at Everton Football Club. Helped by the way in which, you know, so Liverpool deemed he was surplus to requirements and allowed him to leave before his, you know, best days had been done. But, you know, Dave Watson started Liverpool, Kevin Sheedy, Alan Harper, there's plenty of them. Um, and you can, you know, so you can love and admire those players. So I don't think that's the biggest issue. I think the biggest issue for a lot is a, you know, so Rafa's age and his recent track record, you know, compared to, you know, his, his earlier track record, whether he can still prove that, you know, he's got that with him. He's, he's clearly got a point to prove. He's had a couple of years in China. He wants to prove he can be a successful Premier League manager again. Whether he's capable of doing that, well, we don't know. You know so we'll have to wait and see what happens you know, sort of next week, whether he's given the opportunity to do that. But to me, his links with Liverpool shouldn't be the biggest issue. But clearly they are among some supporters. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gavin, uh, um, I think you, you sort of touched on it in your opening um... Is Rafa still a good coach? Um, and, you know, as Preno has alluded to, I think a number of supporters have flagged, flagged the issue that he's not really won anything for a long time, um, which may, which got me thinking. And, 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 and other than a Bundesliga with, with Bayern Munich 
at which he was fully expected to have won. Ancelotti's kind of peak years as a manager in winning trophies kind of was of a similar era to Rafa's. Yeah, yeah. there didn't seem to be this sort of question for Carlo. Is that fair? A fair analysis, or, or oh. have I got that wrong? There's a question for me from well, Carlo. Well, to be fair, um, to be honest with you, um, just just to clarify one point, I think Rafa's interview. You know, the small he actually said small team, didn't he? In the interview was on Sky, and it, it then got. It then got sort of became small club at some point. And the other thing I'd say, just to clarify, I'll come to a point in a minute, is what's the difference between Benitez saying that and Moyes saying Evan of the People's Club in 2002? You know, managers across both sides of the park have said things over the years that can be construed as adding the dig at the other. So, you know, we don't want to be accused of, you know, having double standards here. Um, regarding Benitez, different beast to uh, Ancelotti, Phil, as I said at the start, that though we... Similar career paths, I mean, peaks probably the same time, a couple of European Cup finals in the mid-2000s. The difference being, I think, uh, Rafa's got his finger more on the pulse. Uh, tactically, he's always been a, as I say, he's always been a tactician and a strategist. Carlo's always been one that will tickle the bellies of the top players, won't he? Um, but that's only got a certain lifespan. Once, once you sort of time's finished there and you move to smaller clubs, those... And I'm, I'm talking about smaller clubs there, talking about people like PSG and even Bayern Munich compared to, to Real Madrid, um, not Evan, um, and, and Napoli, is those methods don't work. And that was the problem with, with uh, Ancelotti. I'd argue that Benitez's best way, going back here, has been with underdogs, hasn't it? I mean, when he took Liverpool over in 2004, they weren't Liverpool when he left, or as they are now. They, they, they finished fourth, he'd... Had a few ropey years, hadn't he? Um, certainly when anywhere near winning the Premier League. He, he, you know, we won trophy at Napoli. He, um, so I think he won Valencia, obviously. Um, so his best work has been with, with, with not sleeping, well, sleeping giants. You know, mm. teams that are not at the, the top end. Liverpool went at the top end in 2004, neither with Valencia. Um, so his track record has been success with, you know, underdogs I suppose at the time you would say mm. no seems strange where, where Ancelotti was the elite clubs wasn't it that's where his best years were so I think he's slightly different to Carlo but I do it was something like you know Carlo is is interview many um, press conference at Real Madrid he said didn't he how football has changed so much even in the last five years you know mm. and I was thinking about that in relation to him and I think that also applies to Benitez that Benitez has not really managed in the Premier League, as I say, three or four years in the Premier League, the top level for in the last five years. So that's my concern. Um, but comparing them to Ancelotti, two completely different uh, beasts as managers. I think Benitez is far more suited than to Everton and Ancelotti. But as I say, I still have reservations uh, on that basis. Mm. Um, Sam, you, you mentioned uh, one alternative that, that um, supporters have discussed. Say, for example, the, you know, and, and this could, this may well still happen. The club listen to fan sentiments and back away from 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 handing Rafa the job. Who who realistically would would appease the fan base? Do you think that's that's on on the shortlist? And who would who would fans, um, you know, majoritively rally behind? I think they they would probably. I think fans would probably at this stage be most favourable to an outsider 
maybe like Galtier, Graham Potter, perhaps, of names that have been mentioned. Or, you know, a real outsider, you know, your, your Ten Hag type from Ajax, just someone with maybe a little bit of an unknown quantity or, you know, a younger profile who would probably relish working with Marcel Brands like Graham Potter. I think that would probably, especially with all the people we've been linked to, I think that would uh, get most of the fans behind. But I think what's weird now is there's kind of a weird game of almost smoke screening, of smoke screening going on in the sense that, since you know, I think everyone was kind of underwhelmed by Nuno, but since the Rafa reports have come out, I think people would now take Nuno a little bit more favourably because of how much they don't want Rafa Benitez, you know, it, which is a strange one. And even seeing people kind of talking, well, some people kind of talking favourably, others not so much, but, you know, some people were kind of talking up the idea of Roberto Martinez when the, uh, when the Rafa rumours come out and, you know, R- Roberto might go on to win the uh, the Euros this summer, but still have real bad nightmares about those last two seasons under him and, and how badly that went. You know, there's some of the worst days supporting Everton and, and probably for me the most, apart from maybe some of, some of the end days under Silver, the, the most toxic uh, days, I, well, yeah, definitely the most toxic days I can remember as an Evertonian. You know, there was real volatile anger towards him and his stubborn kind of tactic approach tactical approach at the end so at this stage I don't think there's anyone that would have 100% support I do think an outsider would be the most favourable but we haven't really been strongly linked with one it, it does very much now seem unless there's a late twist and maybe a, a, a Fonseca character I think he may, might get support too but barring that late twist it does seem like it's going to be Rafa or Nuno which it's just incredible isn't it imagine this time last month saying Rafa Benitez will be the Everton manager in six weeks' time when, you know, there wasn't even a sniff of Carlo leaving. It it, it does just seem like a dream and we're all going to wake up from it soon. But if it is Rafa, you know, and, and as we've said, you know, talks are continuing with him today, as you put in your piece, then it, it would take a real, real, real good job from him to get the fans on side. I don't have any worries about his mentality and his attitude because he's done it at Chelsea. And like Carlo, I do think he is a bit of a politician. Uh, almost in an Allardyce fashion, you know. I don't think he's bothered about social media and newspapers too much. But it would it would be really really interesting to see how he conducted himself in those early weeks and the signings. I think he brought in would go a long way to build nearly bridges. But ultimately, it would all come down to those first six or seven favourable matches. He would have to get points on the board. Otherwise, you could be facing a scenario where we'd be looking for a new manager by November, December, which at this stage is just unthinkable. Trying to look at and look, we, we need to stress at the time of recording this, there's been no decision made, etc. But obviously the, the belief is that Rafa, Rafa's in the driving seat. Um, if we got to a position early next week and Rafa was appointed, come August the 14th, um, Southampton at home on the opening day of the season, what would your hunch be uh, as his reception and the level of support he may or may not receive from, from the goodness and faithful? It's a very, very difficult one to predict, but uh, I would certainly say muted at best. Uh, and if you think of previous appointments in the recent past, having been you know rapturously received, I'm thinking of Marco Silva, Ronald Koeman, who everybody was fully behind and you know, so everybody wanted. But you know, neither of those managers had you know songs chanted about them in the way that Carlo Ancelotti did. That was why you know, Carlo was such a breath of fresh air because the entire fan base was behind him. 
Uh, I know last season was an odd one, uh, you know, a, a record away uh, point, points haul in, you know, in the Premier League era and the worst ever home, or nearly the worst ever you know, home points haul. It was just like a very, very odd season, but generally the entire fan base was behind him. And that's unusual. Uh, we've not had that in the recent past. Uh, so if we're not going to see that, you know, so certainly on the opening day, you know, so if Rafa is the man in charge. And I think the fans, they will wait. You know, so they will wait to basically, you know, so come on then, prove yourself to us, you know, show us what you can do in terms of your results, in terms of the style of football, in terms of the signings that you actually bring in. Every element He's got to get pretty much perfect. Otherwise, you know, there is going to be uh, a reaction to him. And, you know, it's it's difficult. It puts him in such a difficult position, which is why I'm so concerned about the uh, the entire situation. Um, like I said, there's a lot to happen between now and then. Um, you know, August the 14th is a long time away. And uh, we don't know, you know, so he, at the moment, is in the driving seat, you know, so things can change. Talking about candidates, I mean, Sam was mentioning there, like the list of candidates, and there are so few um, you know, Antonio Conte, I think, could be, you know, someone that would find favour. But with the best will in the world, he's not going to come to Goodison Park. Uh, the other guys that have actually been mentioned, they've all got major, you know, sort of ticks against them. Um, and, you know, from what we've heard from Farhad, you know, he's looking at uh, Rafa Benitez's track record and he's a proven, you know, Premier League operator and a proven trophy winner, which is what he wants. To be honest, there's no such thing as a proven trophy winner anymore because, you know, so every football club throws up its own challenges. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm I'm deeply concerned. I never started off the pod by saying I was gravely concerned, but I'm also deeply concerned by how the fans would respond on that opening day. And let's face it, looking at those fixtures at the start of the season, we've got an opportunity to make a decent start to the season there. Uh, I know, you know, sort of Brighton away, uh, you know, sort of Leeds away are very, very tough fixtures, but, you know, they're not Manchester City away or Manchester United away. There's like, there's an opportunity there if we can hit the ground running and, you know, get a bit of momentum, you know, so sort of get some, you know, sort of crowd noise behind us. And, you know, if, if Rafa's there in the dugout, he's going to have to do an awful lot to try and convince Evertonians, you know, sort of to, to get behind the team and himself. When Evertonians said we will, you know, that's what we do. We always support, you know, sort of the manager until things go badly. <laughs> Sam was talking about that toxic, you know, sort of you know, atmosphere at the end of the Roberto Martinez reign. And if you think that was bad, you needed to be around in the Peter Johnson era, because believe me, that was far, far worse. But yeah, when, when things do go bad, you know, so it is, it, it's, a, it's a grim place to be at Goodison Park. And, you know, Farhad could be laying himself open to something like that, unless things go really, really smoothly between now and then. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, uh, I think it was Preno in the very f- opening piece of the podcast had talked about you have to listen to the supporters and, and, and take note of fan sentiment. Um, to what extent does does, does Farhad Bashiri listen? Does he does he, t- does he no? I, I'm I'm trying to. Yeah, It's a very difficult question. Yeah, yeah, You know, does does he does he does he go look? It's so unpopular. I'm going to row back on who I think is the right man for the job and we'll go back to the drawing board, which delays the process and goes against perhaps what he thinks is the right move. Or does he have the strength of his own convictions and does he, does he ignore for want of a better word, does he ignore the sentiment and go, no, I believe this is the right man for the job and this is a decision we're making. Because I guess, I guess my point, I guess my point is, there's there's four or five people in charge of the football club. Farhad obviously at the top, um, and I guess appointments and decisions 
can't be made by a committee of 40 plus thousand, yet you have also no. got to listen to them. I just yeah. don't know. I don't know how you strike the balance is basically what I'm, I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, neither do I, to be honest with you. It's, it's sort of in a no win or no lose position. So if you look at it far as is that, you know, if you point Benitez, you know, then he gets, you know, like whatever stuff that Pleno's been talking about there. But if he, if he doesn't appoint him, you then get accused. Well, who's actually selecting the manager? How far? I mean, you know, do you ever like have a poll, internet poll for the next manager? And we got you know based on what supporters say. So you then, then you then get accused of like maybe not being a strong enough leader or whatever. And you then, know, it, it, and, the, and then who's it, who's it, accountable it, if if if. Yeah, 40, 50,000 yeah. fans select the manager. Who's accountable if that goes wrong? It's so difficult. Well, exactly. So it, it, it's in a difficult position. Um, my, if it were me, I'd be saying, well, I mean, that's where the forward should be choosing the manager is a moot point well, as well, isn't we, it? We, we, we will, like, we, you know, we, set aside we'll, that for another day. Yeah, it'll come to that. But if it is forward, choice, then he's fully entitled to say, well, I'm paying the bills, both in the past and now and in the future. Um, so it's going to be my choice, and it, in a strange way, I, I you know, I get everybody whatever they're saying is here. There's like what Penno's saying, and Sam and myself, you know, all different coming out of different ways from Benitez. But if you did pick Benitez, some would be quite admired for it for his cojones, you know. Um, albeit with the you know, you know, sort of doubts from my side on Benitez is like sort of you know, modern type of football, shall we say. Uh, I'd admire for had for doing that. To be fair, um, I, 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 at the same time, if you didn't pick him, I'd understand why. But also saying, well, hang on a minute, I've got enough people trying to choose the manager at the moment involving fifty thousand others. It's just uh, I'll be there for you should be heard. I, I, very difficult, isn't it? Very difficult. Um, but I th- you've got to go with far had, haven't you? But it, if he is the person. Mm. And I think, what, goals, I, and I guess what every single person, every single Evertonian would agree with, and would have to agree with, I guess, regardless of whether pro Benitez against Benitez, pro Nuno, pro whoever, is that Sam the football club is in a far from ideal situation, and ultimately, this situation has been created unexpectedly because Carlo dropped sticks and and left when you know. Just less than well, just over a month before the players are due back for pre-season, um, he, he was out the door. It, it's it's just it's incredible, isn't it? And it's, I still I was saying to Adam before. I think uh, it's still quite interesting that you know none of the players have have really come out and posted anything publicly or spoken publicly about it. You know, other than the kind of were shocked and just kind of general chat that you would expect, really. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot in in the context of Marcel Brands and and his kind of position at the club. You know, he's three years where, you know, in in an ideal world when he first signed, he, he would have thought he'd spend three years with Marco Silva and beyond. Do you know, do you know what I mean? He, but he's had to do eighteen months of Silva and and then Carlo comes in and everything he was saying was pointing towards you know new contracts and managing at the new stadium and the long term plan and and progress on on the football and I think that's why a lot of fans accepted the, the dismal performances, especially at the back end of last season, because there was just a trust in in Carlo, do you know what I mean? It was it was just like talking to your granddad, wasn't it? He just was just like, go on lad, that'll be sound and we'll buy new players in the summer and it'll all get better. And 
and then at the first chance he gets, he gets off. You you just honestly couldn't write it, and I think that's why a, a lot of people may be a, a little bit more frustrated by Benitez because how do we get the the best out of Marcel Brands? You know, Steve Walsh was obviously a great scout, but wasn't cut out for that kind of director of football position. You know, we were so excited by Marcel Brands and. You know, I covered a lot of the under-23s last season. And while I do believe that Marcel Brands is making really positive progress behind the scenes with the academy, with the under-23s and under-18s, with the scouting teams, with all this this stuff that he's doing behind the scenes, appointing former players like Leighton Baines and, you know, in talks with Seamus Coleman about something similar in his playing career, retires. we haven't yet had the chance to see what he can do as a, a sporting director or a director of football because... You know, we had 18 months of silver, 18 months of Ancelotti. Ancelotti obviously forced through a couple of his own players. It would have been interesting to see how that dynamic worked again this summer. Would we have seen a colour barley, a, a Bale-style signing? And Everton, I think we probably would have. Mixed in with your more brand-style Godfrey and, uh, and Decora. You know, Godfrey probably head and shoulders right now the best signing of the, uh, of the brand's era maybe on par with Richarlison, if, if you look at, you know, his goals over the three years. So, you know, we, we've been left in such a tough situation and an unusual situation in that I think usually there's a there's a wider pool. I, I do feel a little bit for Machiri Brands and Ken Wright and Barrett Baxendale and anyone else involved in the search because this is quite a dry summer in terms of, you know, there's usually a candidate that maybe just fits a club and is available or is looking for a new challenge. Don't really think there is. This summer, while at the same time, you know, probably competing in a way with Tottenham. Um, maybe even Crystal Palace in the sense that they're a, a London club. You know, they're nowhere near us in terms of football, um, you know, powerhouses. But, you know, all the kind of stars have aligned since the day Ancelotti left uh, to, to just make it more difficult. Kind of the opposite of what happened when Silva left. You know, he left, Ancelotti left Napoli and somehow we forced that deal through and as Dave mentioned, there would probably only be Conte now if we could pull something off that maybe you would say, you know, fair play, that was that was good timing. But even he is a, a volatile character and you wouldn't know how he would kind of work at Everton. So, you know, Ancelotti has left us in a terrible position and it's, it's mad to think that, you know, Everton fans worship the ground he, he, he walked on in large parts and, and I did really like him as a, as, as a man. But I was on Twitter to him, Someone posted something about Ancelotti with like a picture of him, and I thought some fan just kind of summed it up. He just replied to it by saying, "I effing hate him," and that is kind of the way it swung. And that I just more feel lied to by him in some ways. That you know he sold a bit of a false character, and I think now it'll just go down as an unremarkable spell from a kind of remarkable manager with the career he's had. But I hope that the next man comes in and does win us a trophy or does get us into Europe and because I just kind of want to forget about those 18 months really now it, it just all seems very bizarre Preno again working on that on the hypothetical situation that Rafa is is presented as the new Everton manager what would that say about the strategy of the football club um, <laughs> flawed um, I don't know it's difficult to be fair because the list of candidates at the moment it's, it's so short. I mean, to go back to what we were saying, you know, so earlier, one man has caused this. 
and that's Carlo Ancelotti uh, for you know so making this decision when he did uh, as unexpectedly as he did and placing Everton into this like very very difficult situation that they were completely uh, not expecting. I mean, I, I've I've thought about it. I've not committed it to print yet, but I, I genuinely think that maybe you know, so a workable you know compromise to all this would be to create an interim manager uh, for the time being and ask Duncan Ferguson to start the season uh, as an interim manager role. You know, he would get everybody on side, the supporters, the players, and short term, you know, he can have an impact as he's shown previously in much more difficult fixtures uh, that he was handed. The downside, of course, is, you know, would he agree to that? You know, so would he accept uh, an interim manager's role? Um, you know, so David Unsworth didn't, you know, so when he was, you know, so canvassed with the idea uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Duncan's done it once, would he want something a bit more permanent, an opportunity to prove himself uh, as a manager long term? Probably, well, I don't know, you know, we've not, like I said, I've not even committed this to print yet. I just think this could be an opportunity because there clearly aren't the candidates out there that you know, ticks everybody's boxes and everybody's completely happy with. So why make a decision that you're going to regret later? At least go with something that you're comfortable with. Uh, you know, so keep Duncan in situ for the time being, which everybody will get fully behind. And then, you know, when the second season starts in you know, October, November, December, you know, so maybe we'll be in the best position. Or we can think about, you know, continuing the search even longer. Uh, I don't know, but I, that personally would be the uh, the option I'd like to go for because I genuinely can't see any way around it at the moment. And, you know, the, the search... Okay, I said the, the strategy was flawed earlier. That Maybe that's a little bit unfair because there aren't that many candidates out there. I've seen um, a South American coach, you know, so I've talked about on social media, a River Plate coach, the, you know, Gallardo, the, you know, so some people are, are uh, you know, so suggesting is a good idea. But it's, it's a gamble, it's a risk, you know, and... You know, Everson haven't done due diligence on these coaches because they weren't expecting to be in this situation. Uh, they were placed in this situation by Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, so, you know, they've basically, you know, been forced to do their thinking, you know, so off, off the, the cuff. So it's a very, very difficult situation. And, um, you know, it, it's easy to criticise the club and say that the managerial strategy is flawed. Or equally, you can have some sympathy. They weren't expecting to be in the situation. You know, they were placed in a situation massively unexpectedly. Gav, what do you think about the merits of, of Preno's suggestion there about an interim coach and you know giving it to Duncan until uh, the right man is found? Do you think that's workable, or do you think that the club feel it's more beneficial to get a, a permanent manager in this summer, allow them to have pre-season and work with the team rather than chopping and changing midway through? And yeah, it's, it's, it's but there's an argument to say that Duncan could have got it. In 2019-20 to the end of the season, couldn't he? You know, uh, but, but but I guess yeah, the, the, the the counter to that would be yeah. Carlo was available and, and far available. If Carlo was not, if Carlo was not being available, is what I'm saying. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, difficult one this year. I, I get that. I mean, again, I suppose you'd argue. Well, are you just doing that to appease the fans? One side, second team. Duncan has done it before and did. Well, in a, in a tough run of fixes, as Peno says. Um, thirdly, though, well, what happens if after six games we've lost five and won, drew one? You know, it, it's you know, which is which is which is feasible. We're stepping, we're stepping into the unknown. I mean, I think it. Yeah, I get, I get that. Um, I get why he'd want to do that, but then that that's in. Inherent risk in itself, isn't it? Really, 
because Duncan is unknown. I mean, for me personally, I think Duncan needs to go away from the club and do something elsewhere. I'm not sure it's doing anybody any favours. And this is all due respect to Duncan. It's not criticism of him by any set of imagination. I think he, he needs to try and get a job elsewhere. Because people talk about being a young coach or whatever. He's 50 this year, isn't he? He's not, it's not young. If you, if, in the Premier League hierarchy of ages, he's, one, he's older than Nuno, isn't he? Espirito Santo. So it's not like a Gerard Lampard who's coming off the back of a playing career. He's, he's 50. Uh, and I'm just not, it's not, I don't think Duncan hanging around is doing any good to anybody. I think uh, ideally he needs to move away if he wants a managerial career. I don't think he's doing my personal thing. I don't think he's doing himself any favours at Everton. Um, and um, I'm not saying he's a bad coach or will be a bad coach, but I think he needs to do something quickly. Um, because, as I say, he's 50 this year. Um, so he's not young in any sense of the imagination. But I do get what Penno's saying. Yeah, yeah, I fully understand why he'd want to do that, but it's inherently risky in itself. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sam, just before we finish, and you, you mentioned Marcel. I guess, you know, there has been a lot of questions about where does Marcel fit into a Rafa Benitez Everson. Um, but what would be your thoughts on, you know, Marcel's position? And I guess, like, not his necessary position, but his, the influence of power and, and how much power he would yield and whether there would be a, you know, you know, people have suggested there could be a sort of bussing of heads with with Rafa, given his his, his history. Um, would you have any concerns in that regard? Yeah, a little bit, but maybe you know, Brands is obviously for all the good work he's done in Holland. He's had a new experience as well. He's had eighteen months working with a man who, at the end of the day, you know, you you could very much see. It. I'm not saying this has happened at all, but. I don't think anyone would be surprised if situations arose where maybe Carlo said, well, I want Hammers. And Marcel Brands could have turned around and said, well, you know, we're looking to, to drop the wage bill, reduce the wage bill. Maybe, you know, we've got this option and this option, a, a younger option. And Carlo might have just, you know, walloped them and kind of went straight to Machidi. He was like, sign me this player. And, and you could see a scenario where Machidi would obviously want to keep this three-time Champions League winner happy. So, Hopefully a few lessons have been learned. But in a weird way as well, you know, the summer worked, didn't it? You know, we got Alan and Hammers who both had, you know, subjectively good seasons in my eyes. If they, if they both stayed fifth for a full season, I think Everton would have finished in the Europa League places minimum. I think we really struggled without them. Uh, although, you know, the, the two of them did have a, a few little flaky patches in form. But then we also got, you know, your brand, you know, Decore was a long-term target for us. Uh, and, and Godfrey, arguably, you know, one of the Premier League signs of the summer. So I think there's lessons to be learned in terms of if Brands isn't picking a new manager and then isn't having the lead and say in signing players or certainly shaping the way we go about signing players, the question would have to be asked, what is the point of Brands, you know, beyond academy reshaping and things like that? So I, I do think he needs a little bit more control in, in all aspects of Football, you know, it, it it's very simple, isn't it? He's a director of football. You let him direct the football, however simplified that might sound. But in truth, we're, we're probably never going to know how much power, how much say he has over every signing, really. You know, there'll be the whispers and of, of who was who signing. But 
My main concern would just be Rafa is 62, I think, coming in. You know, it, it, he's not going to do... T- it'd be remarkable if he'd done 10 years, wouldn't it? Five years it would be the target, maybe. would be brilliant, really. Even at this stage, you know, no one's managed three full seasons since Moyes. So, <laughs> it, it's a difficult position to be in for Brands. And I, I do I do feel a little bit sorry for him. You know, he has got criticism at times for some transfers because that is ultimately what he'll be judged on. But I think overall, he, he's been good for Everton. Uh, and set solid foundations if we can get the manager right and the next three transfer windows right I think those foundations could grow even stronger and then catapult us into the category of a team who is consistently challenging for Europe and for trophies but it's easier said than done isn't it hiring a Premier League manager and going through three transfer windows without having many missteps it is going to be difficult. You know, it's it's a horrible comparison to me and I hate making it, but you, you look at Liverpool and where they were in 2015, you know, had better resources than us, you know, from, from the past and could put more money in, but they got it right with the, with, the, uh, with the manager and then they started getting it mostly spot on. Three, four, five transfer windows on the spin and it set them up to become a team that wins the Premier League and the Champions League. We don't even need to look that far ahead at this point. We just need to build a team that is capable of doing what Evertonians crave, and that is just turning up every week and putting in a good performance. Because I think when fans are back, you know, you look at some of the teams David Moyes has, and I know we didn't win anything, but if you can build a team that Everton fans can get behind and have more characters like your Godfrey's, like your Calvert-Lewin's, like your Richarlison's when they're on strong, on form, Goodison will get behind them and, and we'll win games. Hopefully the, the lasting legacy for, from Carlo would then be the away form, you know, which was magnificent last season. And if we can tie all that in together, there could be something special. So I, I hope now Brands does get a bit more of a say and can make a little bit of a legacy at Everton that kind of writes his name into the history books because I do think he's conducted himself quite well throughout it all. He's never been too sensational. You know, he's never really been one to, to run his mouth in the media and things like that, which I respect about him. Um, but it, it, it all depends now on the next, certainly, t- two months of who the new manager is and who we bring in before that first game of the season. Um, before we finish, um, just one, one more thing on, on, on Rafa. And, um, I think, I can't remember who mentioned it, but it, it appeared that the Newcastle supporters adored Rafa Benitez in his time at, at St. James's Park. But I've been told by a couple of people, quote, the football was awful. Um, now, obviously, there was a big talking point among Evertonians towards the second half of this season. And Carlo had said, we're going to bring in certain players to make us more attacking, more offensive. Have you got any question marks or any concerns about the style of football that, that Benitez would bring? Does he have it in his locker? I mean, you you watched a fair bit of his Liverpool team, I guess, um, during, during your time with us. Um do you think he's got a certain style? I mean, what can, what can you sort of tell us in that regard? You're asking for Nirvana now, aren't you? You want winning football in an absolutely <laughs> flowing school of science way. I mean, bottom line is, if you win football matches, fans are happy, you know, so that they will take that all day long, unless it's, you know, you know, parking the bus and, you know, sort of hitting set piece, you know, so winners. To be fair, we did that an awful lot last season away from home. Um, and, you know, so we weren't too unhappy with an awful lot of those results. Um, but no, just winning football. No, Rafa isn't um, recognised 
for you know reinventing the wheel and producing some you know, something tactically different. Um, he has his teams coached methodically and meticulously, and uh, defenders uh, are basically ordered where they need to be on the pitch to within you know sort of half a foot of a game. And you know he, he, he absolutely religious about the way he, uh, he disciplines his teams like that, and it's successful. You know, so it does work. He will get players in that will do that. And he will seek not to concede, and then he will, you know, sort of create teams that, you know, so we'll, we'll track, we'll score goals. Um, he's not an overly defensive coach, I wouldn't say. I think that's uh, that's unfair. But equally, you know, so his his raison d'etre is to get results, uh, you know, no matter how that may be. Very similar to his great rival and his nemesis, Jose Mourinho, in that respect. And uh, I think that you know, if um, Everson Football Club were winning games next season. I think a lot of people would be happy whether they would then turn, you know, onto the style of play. I don't know because I know that was a stick used to beat David Moyes with. I know we can look back with rose-tinted glasses now at the, uh, the regular fifth-place finishes and sixth-place finishes in European campaigns. But he got flack for producing Route 1 football uh, and getting the ball into the final third quickly and then, uh, you know, sort of playing the football up there. Although, you know, it actually all came together, ironically, in that final season. Some of the football in the second half of that final season, the goodness was excellent. It was really well worth paying the admission fee to watch. So it can take a long, long time to uh, get to a position like that. But no, I don't think Rafa would be, uh, you know, relished for the style of football that, that he brings in. I mean, Marcelo Bielsa, for example, you know, so has this style of play that is... is the fans relate to because it's so high tempo, it's so high energy, but very similar to what Klopp did with his Borussia Dortmund team. Um, and, you know, that's good to watch. Rafa doesn't do that. So he probably wouldn't win many friends, to be honest, uh, with, with that style of play. But if it's winning football matches, you know, so people can be won around very quickly. Mm. Uh, Gav, sort of final word to you then in, in this in this podcast and the, and the debate over, over, over Rafa and... Um, I guess what's your hunch telling you? Do you think do you think this this time next week when we if we pod we'll be talking about Rafa as the Everton manager or do you think the football club will listen to fan sentiments and, and think again? It's a difficult one that Phil. Um it reminds me I know you did the piece this morning saying like you know that it could be the early early part of next week, I think you said. Yeah. But look yes. at you know it strikes me of like a game of managerial musical chairs, whoever's at the chair. <laughs> you know, on Monday he gets the job. You know, um, it's ultimately boils down to you know whoever's making the decision. Assume it's same machine. Has he got the the co-owners for it? Really, doesn't it? Really, if he has, then it'd be Benitez, um, which, as I say, you know, causes some issues for me. But I wouldn't mind that as appointments because there's not a lot out there. Um, so I, if this time next Friday, it wouldn't surprise me if we're pausing or whatever, and Benitez has got the got the gig. Mm. To be honest with you, um, because I, I'm just I can't see Farhad backing down to to support the sentiments. Though I fully understand why supporters are, you know, aghast in a lot of areas, you know, about about it. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me. I haven't gone this far, you know, with it. You know, I don't know how many meetings has been between the two parties and stuff, and you know, but it would seem straight if he backed off now, it would look send them maybe the wrong message. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, watch this space. We will see what unfolds over the next few days in a quite remarkable uh, 
search for Everton's new manager. Um, Chaps, thank you very much for your company. Excellent as always. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, We will be back as and when, obviously, as soon as the new manager is appointed, we will be podcasting and uh, dissecting the decision the club make, whether that's Rafa or somebody else. Okay, until next time, this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.